Okay, welcome to episode seven of A Vague Knowledge of Everything. I'm Rosie. I'm Hope. And today we are going to be talking about CDC. Yeah. Because we are in a pandemic and uh, I've heard about the CDC a lot. I think we all have, but who actually Mm -hmm. knows their history Yeah, and what they really do. So before we get into it, we have our first uh, write-in comment and uh, correction from one of our listeners. Uh, Griffin pointed out. Okay. That so whenever we were on astrology last week when you were talking about your Egyptian god that you had assigned to you and you said it has the head of a dog, mm-hmm. apparently it's actually the head of a jackal. Oh and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he's right. I was looking at a picture and I think I had read jackal somewhere and I just was like <laughs> dog because I saw it and I didn't have it right in front of me. So that's a dog. <laughs> well done, Griffin. Uh, the other thing he pointed out was that when we were talking about Tauruses, that I said, I remembered that the drag queen Katya is a Taurus, but I neglected to remember that the actual queen of England herself is also a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. Okay, but I mean, I feel like, I feel like actually probably both of us watch more of Trixie and Katya than we do Right, but I've, I've watched at least two seasons of the two seasons of the Crown. So, like, yeah. Well, I mean, we're watching the new one of the Crown, but I <sighs> still watch a lot of Trixie and Katya. So, I really want to watch this new season with Princess Diana. I'm very excited. It's, oh yeah, it, it's it's divisive. I think that the royal family is not happy about it. I'm very interested in what the actual uh, truth of the matter is, but I think I'm going to wait until right. the full season's done and well, then look into it. Her Diana's brother did an interview with somebody in mm-hmm. England about it. And he was like, I, I, I need to defend her because she's not here to defend herself. And people forget that this is actually fiction. This isn't real. Yeah. And that um, people think they watch the crown and they, they have a history lesson and that's not yeah. necessarily true. I, like I, I have re- to keep that in mind. Like these people are still alive. They can watch this. Like, we don't get to just be like, oh, I know the royal family now. Yeah, I read I read a defense of the liberties that have been taken. And and I, I think there's probably a lot more that's real than we realize and things we probably think are liberties. But I was reading about the liberties taken in it. And a big thing that stood out to me was like at the end, I forget who it was that someone was quoted as saying like, well, we think the public can understand that it's fiction that was based on a real story. And I was like, I don't think that's true at all. I don't think that people I think the Brits might. realize that. I Yeah, the Brits. But like, I think that not all us. The people around the world who are like, especially not Americans, I don't think who like just aren't familiar mm-hmm. are like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people out there who are taking it as fact. So I, I think that's kind of a lame uh, dismissal. Yeah. But um, as per usual, uh, the house next door to me is getting worked on on a Sunday. So awesome. I'll be I'll be muted as much as I can. But if you hear <laughs> power tools in the background, it's not my fault. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, if you hear moving going on in the back, it's because my because uh, Chris is moving stuff up the stairs and my all that. But, uh, my husband. Yeah. So, uh, but that's good because it means I don't have to do it at the end. Uh, yeah. But why don't we get into it? Let's do it. The CDC. Okay. So, so what? What did you know about the CDC leading up to this? I suppose. So like, not what the, have you researched, but what did you already know? It's the Center for Disease Control. 
I think mm-hmm. I knew that before. And we've been hearing about it a lot more recently because, <laughs> you know, pandemic stuff. But um, hearing it, working with you and hearing about all the guidelines that you had to follow as a cook, I think was my heaviest interaction with it. And like being like the CDC says mm-hmm. this and like we have to follow these procedures. And I worked at a bakery at one point. Which was not a great bakery because the exterminator was there every day pulling out like dead rats from the basement. So I don't know if they were paying attention to the CDC or anything. I feel like some of that CDC and some of that's FDA, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess they're, yeah, that makes sense. But there's so much that comes out of like people mishandling food. Yeah, that's true. That's well, and they study, they study spread of illness and those two can overlap. Um, so, so effectively what the CDC is looking into that can also have to do with food supply chains and stuff like that. I mean, I guess like when I was in high school and stuff, that's when like the swine flu and the avian flu were going on Mm -hmm. and like, um, Ebola and stuff. Are you trying to do a flip? No, I'm not. She, her head is down like on my leg and then she's trying to like push her legs back to do You're crazy. Okay. That's what I know. Sitting in her lap. (laughs) All right, cool. Yeah. Well, I... Yeah, I knew that it was the Center for or Centers for Disease Control. It's actually centers, um, and it's because it's a program, and they have multiple locations. Uh, but yeah, what I knew about it actually, and I was thinking about, it, I was like, how did I know the term CDC? I was thinking about the the first time I ever heard of it, and it was when I was watching The Walking Dead. So I was already an adult oh. by the time I heard of it. For the one thing, obviously I heard about like swine flu and avian flu and that kind of stuff, but I didn't make the connection with the CDC because we weren't talking about it as much, but there's a big storyline on the walking dead where they're like trying to get to the CDC because something is going, because allegedly people are there that can help them. Um, and you know, spoiler alert, it's been out for a long time. So whatever. Um, but spoiler alert, there's like one guy there and he basically is going to kill himself. So yeah. So basically not very much is what I knew about the CDC. Got it. <laughs> um, got it. Yeah. So I learned a lot. Um, I've got many pages of handwritten notes here because our my printer is not set up because we're in the middle of moving. Uh, but I will be shuffling through them. So you'll hear that noise occasionally. But here is... Uh, we'll talk about a brief history of the CDC to start with. The program that that became known as the CDC, um, it originated because of World War II. Uh, and basically what happened was during World War II, uh, there were a lot of the areas in uh, the American South, particularly er- areas like Alabama, um, that had a lot of malaria and the military camps and maneuvers that... Uh, basically like the places where you'd go to basic training, like the places where all of the people are getting trained for this kind of stuff and where uh, military maneuvers are happening in the U S was concentrated in the American South. And there was a lot of malaria there. So they effectively were trying to just combat malaria. Uh, The program that was originally uh, made was called the malaria control in war areas. Uh, And so that would be the MCWA. Uh, It was created by the Public Health Service, which is a division of the Department of Health and Human Services. Both of those still exist, um, but the MCWA doesn't because it evolved into the CDC. Uh, By the way, all of this is information from JSTOR.org. This is, Uh, I'm always interested about like all the stuff that comes out of World War II. And I think it's why most of us kind of have a hard on for that war in particular, you know? 
I feel like yeah. that's the most talked about war. Well, it's the one that everybody knows and like cares about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and it was also around the time where science and technology were progressing a lot. And so all yeah. of that kind of convened into like a demonstrated need for this kind of stuff, but also uh, an ability to actually make it happen, which is really cool. Uh, like, so, so for this, I suppose like what we wouldn't really think about when we think about war is it's not just about sending people overseas and taking care of them there. It's also about taking care of the people who are being trained to do whatever it is, or the people who are building the things that right. the army needs, like all these kinds of things. So it's a lot of stuff that is, is on American soil. And so that's kind of what they were, uh, they were attacking there um, was the malaria that was affecting the army and the programs that like the military and all that. Right. We're having issues with. Um, so I have a quote here from this article um, I do. I have a bunch of quotes from articles because they help contextualize. Uh, but th so this one says mostly the program fought mosquitoes. Uh, so they weren't actually necessarily looking at fighting the disease as much as fighting the cause of the disease. Right. So vac vaccines definitely were a huge part of us kind of shifting the way that we dealt with disease and saying instead of figuring out okay. How do people seem to get it and then uh, attacking where they're getting it from? Mm -hmm. uh, they would rather make vaccines because it's easier to vaccinate people than it is to try to kill every mosquito. Um, and then it also has environmental issues when we think about it. But uh, so the rest of this quote is engineers drain wetlands and entomologist studies the insects behavior. MCWA workers pack diesel oil into knapsacks and used compressed air sprayers to fire it into wet areas where mosquito larvae lived. So basically wow. like we're spraying diesel fuel into wetlands. So that's a thing. Uh, and then that's one way to get, that's one way to do it. Exactly. Uh, so sometimes they sprayed from trucks, boats, or airplanes. And in 1944, they switched to a new miracle insecticide called DDT. No. Uh, yeah, oh, wait, are like, we oh, getting into like Rachel Carson? Rachel Carson. Okay. Rachel Carson was an environmentalist from Pittsburgh who I think fought a lot of stuff having to do with DDT. Like one of the... I, the three uh, so, bridges is named okay. after Rachel Carson. I haven't. So, okay. So unfortunately I, I don't have a lot of research that's specifically about her. Uh, but yeah, yes, definitely related to what she was, uh, what she was talking about. I'm just going to take a little segue here and we're going to talk a little bit about what DDT is. Okay. Just so we can understand. <laughs> we know that it was, it's been banned. It's been banned since 1972, but it's not, uh, I don't think a lot is known about it and why it's not good. And, and a lot of the effects, a lot of the reason it was banned don't have to do with the things that happen right away. So that's a lot of people like DDT because they can see the thing that's happening and it's the thing they want to happen. All of the bugs are dying, but it has a lot of other implications. So, uh, so DDT is a persistent organic pollutant that is read readily absorbed into soils and sediments. Oh my gosh, that was a tough sentence to say. The reason that it was banned was because it's a, of its effect on wildlife populations. It they was causing a lot of deaths of birds and other other animals like in the wetlands that had been sprayed with, well, for, I guess first it was diesel and then it was uh, DDT. But yeah, it was affecting wildlife populations. And that was known about and written about as early as 1946, uh, <laughs> which was based on some of uh, Michigan State University's research. And 
Don't you hate it's that? Very interesting. So yeah, for, 1946, but it took such a long time right. to get banned. It wasn't banned until 1972 because it had been uh, it had become a big part of the economy. Right. Um, Don't you hate like it, whenever you learn yeah. about something and then it's like you figure out later that somebody else was like, yeah, we've been new. We've been new about this and we didn't do yeah. anything about it. Like, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, they knew, but it was, it's an economic thing. You know, if the economy is getting money from something, it's really hard to say, oh, we can't have that anymore because then you're taking a chunk out of the economy and everyone hates it when you do that. And of course, people aren't necessarily willing to study the reasons why they're just willing to react to it. A couple more facts about DDT. Uh, So it's class, it's classified as this is a quote, moderately toxic to humans, um, there's not a whole lot of info about what acute toxicity, um, or I, I didn't find a lot of info about what acute toxicity, which is just if you get a lot of it in a short period of time, about what that leads to. But chronic toxicity, which is when you're exposed to it over a long period of time, for example, of like if it was sprayed in your house, um, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but for example, something like that can affect reproductive capabilities, the embryo and the fetus. Um, and it's probably carcinogenic to humans. Uh, so a lot of the stuff comes up not necessarily right after the time. It's not like you spray it on your skin and you get a rash or something like that. That's not yeah. what's going to happen. It's it's that later on you're going to have issues um, getting pregnant, staying pregnant, issues with the baby, et cetera, that kind of stuff. So it's things that like you can't remedy them when they come along later. So that's why it has to be banned. It's not because, oh, you have to use it in a specific way to make it not harmful. It's because it's going to be harmful and it's going to be later on. So in 1945, Congress gave them additional funding uh, that was to fight malaria outside military areas. So they sprayed DDT into houses using a special formulation that adhered to walls and furniture. (laughs) So that's that chronic toxicity we're talking about where you're sitting on it. It's all around you. Yeah. Your cats and dogs. Oh my god. That's what I'm concerned about is the furry yeah. babies. Yeah. Whatever. Oh my it's, god. We're so oh stupid. We're so stupid as a country I, and as a species sometimes. I I reading that they were spraying it into homes, like like I know that there was a lot of stuff done before we realized the safety of things, but I really don't think in 1945 that they could have possibly done already done enough testing uh on this stuff to know that that was safe so basically they're just taking stuff they don't know if it's safe just throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks well it's the 40s and 50s it's a bunch of white men being like (laughs) we're american so that means we're invincible and we're the smartest and also i'm right you're wrong shut up you know you know and it's like all technology is like the newest coolest thing and 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 the thing is people tend to go on one side of it or the other where it's like the one end of the spectrum like like oh i don't know i'm freaked out by it because it's new or the oh it's new it's amazing let's take it all and you know be completely reckless about yeah whether I or trust, not this is going to have issues later on i trust it implicitly <laughs> <laughs> so okay so that that's when they were still called the um, MCWA and after that so, okay, so so it said soon the states called on program staff to address other infectious disease problems. Uh, so that demonstrates a need. Like they're being asked, hey, can you help us also with dysentery that's happening over here? You know, like they have all these other issues they have to look into. And if states are asking them to, that means, of course, there's a need for it. So the CDC was formed after World War II ended. 
Uh, a month after they opened in 1946, they said their focus was mainly on subtropical diseases, including malaria, hookworm, yellow fever, and diverse diarrheas and dysenteries. Doesn't yes. that sound like a lovely sample that's a, pack? That's a band name. <laughs> diverse diarrheas and dysenteries. That would be like a screamo band. Yes. I would or think. Like yeah. <laughs> it's a ska I band. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like an autobiography <laughs> title. Yeah, I know that could be. That could be a great autobiography title for like someone who studied some doctor. You know, <laughs> someone who studied a very specific form of medicine. <laughs> some science say. person, not us. <laughs> no, no, not me. God, I hope not. <laughs> um Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then uh, within a few years, they did add um, an epidemiological division specifically for tracking infectious diseases, um, things like that, that we're using it for now, such as COVID. Contact tracing. Uh, they also created an epidemic intelligence service focused on responding to the threat of biological warfare. So we've been worried about that for a very long time because that was, that was just post-World War II. We're worried about biological warfare. Um, oh yeah. Uh, 1957, they created a venereal disease program. 1960, they created a tuberculosis program. Mm. By the end of the 60s, they were also working on nutrition, chronic disease, and occupational and environmental health, which is really funny, given that they've, you know, sprayed all these toxins <laughs> into the environment. But anyway, so that's a that's a sort of short history of how they were founded. Um, I found that very interesting because... I, I I guess I didn't realize how far back it went, actually. Right. Uh, I didn't realize the CDC was that old. I thought it was something that was fairly new. Yeah. And, and it's interesting how they were founded. I, I didn't actually, I wasn't aware that malaria was such a big problem in the U.S. Yeah. And, like, in a reasonably recent time, you know, right. like, within the last hundred years so yeah i guess we think about malaria being something that like you pick up whenever you leave the country to go mm -hmm. somewhere like south or something like that yeah we went to central america and we we're a little bit worried about it then when i was in junior high but but yeah i didn't think of it being a u.s disease but i suppose that probably is from the uh the reaction and uh what the cdc really did yeah so, so I, I suppose so. i have the cdc to thank for that uh, but it doesn't mean they don't have areas to improve. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, so focusing more on what they do today, um, CDC is a federal organization that conducts and supports health promotion, prevention, and preparedness activities. Uh, they also really like alliteration, apparently, um, <laughs> in the United States with the goal of improving overall public health. So, so all of that is definitely really good stuff. They focus on five strategic areas, increasing support to local and state health governments, improving global health, decreasing leading causes of death, strengthening surveillance and epidemiology, which is like contact tracing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and reforming health policies. Uh, so all of that, all of that's really good, but they don't actually have that much power. <laughs> I feel like the preparedness thing should be like their main thing. Yeah. Because... It's the the way to prevent something is to be prepared for it, whether or not you know it's coming. Wasn't Obama talking about that? At some point, he was like, "A pandemic is coming. It is coming, and we need to get something like in order for it." Like oh, he yeah, knew. Absolutely. I was okay. So this is this is off topic, kind of, but 
I mean, honestly, it's just very interesting. So I might post it on the website anyway, but I watched, um, I was looking through my, my various, um, the, the little like shows and videos that I watch that, you know, kind of condense information down. Like John Oliver is very good about that. That's usually very well researched. Uh, and I was watching Patriot Act uh, with Hassan Minhaj today and it was an older episode, but it was in this past season called How Coronavirus Broke America. Mm-hmm. And or maybe it might be broke the U.S. I can't remember, but whatever it is, um, I'll probably put a link to it on the website. Um, but they were talking about supply chains in particular. Like I thought they would talk about the CDC because I was like, oh, it's coronavirus CDC. So I was kind of hoping there'd be info. Um, it wasn't very helpful for that. But the supply chains thing was really interesting, and I actually think that that might be an episode we want to do in the future because it talks about where we get, you know, things like food and of course, like PPE. <laughs> so oh. like, so that there was, there was a specific executive order that Trump made um, that affected meat, meat packing plants and also caused some sp- super spreader stuff. And then there was also, oh, the interview that I was specifically thinking of was uh, a man who was in charge of one of the companies in the U S that actually makes uh, face masks. And apparently since 2007, he's been warning them, if there is a pandemic, we are going to have a shortage of face masks. Like there is no way that the, 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 the programs are sorry, there is no way that the companies that we have in the US can actually handle as much as we would need at a pandemic. So oh I hope my just God. went completely out of frame. <laughs> I had to, I had to cl- plug my computer in. Oh my God. Everybody yeah. knew and nobody listened. Yeah. Yep. We are so stupid. Yeah, it's it's just another example of how we have more information than we actually use and how how everything is politicized, honestly. And that's one of the biggest issues this I've country? had. Just researching everything is that everything is political, whether it should be or not. This country is the Go person on. in the group project who doesn't do anything and then shows up and is like, oh, this is my project. I did all this stuff. <laughs> Except for instead of getting an A because everyone else did everything right, we all get COVID. Fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great summation. Instead of giving getting an A, we all get COVID. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. Everyone Um, else did their homework. New Zealand and Australia are like back to normal pretty much now. I mean, pretty much. And when they're not, they just immediately try to fix the situation. I mean, I will say about about New Zealand, like, yes, they are absolutely an example of what we should be doing. I don't know if it's entirely reasonable to compare New Zealand to the US since New Zealand is much smaller in an island. But but yes, definitely. We also were not paying attention to things that they were. So they've done a wonderful job. And we should definitely use their model. Anyway, but okay, so so I found this uh, 2014 Time Magazine article that is about, so so the reason I say it's from 2014 is because, again, you know, we kind of like knew stuff beforehand and this article, it, it does kind of suggest that the CDC would have its hands tied in a situation where we had a pandemic, uh, which is less hypothetical now. Hmm. Um, in fact, not hypothetical. So yeah, uh, as a federal agency, the CDC does have broad authority under the commercial clause of the Constitution to, re- to and I quote, 
restrict travel into the U.S. or between states of an infected person or a person who has come into contact with an infected person as an action to prevent the spread of disease. So what that means is they don't have the, the authority to dictate what everyone does. They have the authority to dictate what someone's doing if they're coming into the country. And so where that comes down is like there's been issues where an Ebola patient is allowed to come from another country into the U.S. And that's because the CDC said they could because there was a hospital that had, you know, the best supplies to treat them and the best doctors, you know. Right. So there could be something like that where they decide, OK, this is OK or this isn't OK. When you get into the travel between states, I have to wonder if they actually have that much power because we are such like, even though the states rights is more of a Republican stance, I think the individual states do really are, are interested in keeping their individual rights. And so when you have people going in between states, I think that really has to depend on what their rules are. Right. Because, yeah, the CDC doesn't have the explicit power to override anything. They traditionally act in an advisory role. They can only take control from local authorities in one of two circumstances. Uh, so the first circumstance is the local authorities say, please come help us. And they mm -hmm. invite them in. And, you know, of course, so many local authorities are going to do that. We found that through the pandemic, which is why everything was squashed very quickly and we're all healthy now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait. Uh, no. So people really aren't likely to do that. Um, people in any locality. I just think it's human nature to pretend that we all have the answers about what's going on directly around us. You know, you're like, I know everything about this because I'm right here. Can I tell you but a story? That's not necessarily true. What? So when we moved down here, we brought, it was a five car caravan between me and Griffin, our friend Rob and our two dads. So the dads were down here and they left to go get pizza and they were using Google maps. And he said, both of them were in a city they had never been to before. And they were like, we're smarter than Google Maps. We know where we're going. And they got lost because, of course, they did. It's like, it kind of goes back to what you're talking about where you're like, I don't know anything about this, but I know what I'm talking about. Okay. And it's like, just use Google Maps. Use the CDC. Everything's fine. Like, yeah. Oh. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's resources for these things. And the CDC is supposed to be a resource. And theoretically, theoretically, if things got bad enough, localities like, you know, cities and states, et cetera, would ask them to step in and help them. But they really haven't been. So really, they're only able to just advise. So when people demonize the CDC for, you know, all of the horrible Orwellian rules they're giving out, um, to quote Kaylee McEnany, um, although she wasn't talking about the CDC, she was talking about states. But anyway, um, it's ridiculous to call them or Orwellian. But um, but yeah, when people get mad at the CDC, it's it's kind of silly because they're not the ones enforcing any of this. Mm -hmm. um, the, this. The second circumstance where they can take control from local authorities is under the authority outlined in the Insurrection Act in the event of a total breakdown of law and order. But total breakdown of law and order is a lot farther down the road than we need a lot of help, things are bad. Like that's still not a total breakdown. So, so they really don't have a lot of power. This is um, like being told... I have significant ADHD symptoms, but not enough to have ADHD. Like how bad does it have to get before it's a total breakdown? Yeah. Like I don't want to, if you're having a breakdown, you need help like way before that. Like yeah. th that's bad. That's a faulty oh, yeah. manufacturing thing. <sighs> I did not expect to get this heated about the CDC. <laughs> I, I think Chris must have turned on that. 
air conditioning or some cooling fan or something because the vent under my desk just threw a lot of cold air up my knees. What temperature is it there? It's, what is it? I don't know. Let me see here. I'm just going to look so I can delete this. It's 73 here. (laughs) It's 73 there? Yeah. Here it is. Just waiting on the app on my phone. (laughs) It's connecting to the server. Our internet has been spotty. Hold on. I can tell you what temperature it is in here. It has no data. Are you kidding me? Great. Hold on. Let me look because I still have it. Oh, it's 39. 41. Yeah. Okay. It says it's 39. on. That's but yeah. not air conditioning temperature. I'm sorry. I'm a warm person and that's not AC. Well, he, he might not have turned on AC. He might have just like turned on a cooling fan or something. Like he might just have the fan on, but and not it's coming up through the vent. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, sorry um, about your cold. Anyway, toes. I got a blanket. I got, I got all distracted. <laughs> I got cold. So effectively like the CDC was never really, I don't know if they were supposed to have power necessarily. I don't think they were intended to have a lot of power. I think they were intended to be like sort of the overarching guidance that everyone goes by instead of uh, a regulatory body. But I think a lot of people see them as a regulatory body, which is why it's important to me to say they really don't have all that much power. Mm -hmm. Um, And I struggle with whether or not I think they should because it's difficult Um, And part of the reason actually that kind of leads in pretty well to my next point um, is because the ultimate problem that I've seen with the CDC is they're way too politicized, Um, (laughs) which, and that's the issue with giving one organization so much power. And I can totally see where people wouldn't want that to happen, even though I'm kind of generally politically on the other side of things. And I really want social programs to happen. I really want people to get their healthcare, et cetera. And I kind of want a more streamlined system. I don't know if the CDC should necessarily have a huge amount of power, at least not the way that it's situated now. Because Are there, are there like, um, like every state or like a city or whatever have their own like CDC center? Or is it just like one for the whole country? Or I know that can't be mm-hmm. it, right? No, there's. Let me just look up stats real quick. Yeah, so there's the CDC isn't. It's not just one building with a group of people. It's it's a bunch of people. It's a bunch of scientists. It's a bunch of like public health and safety officers. It's doctors. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different uh, stuff that makes it up. I do actually have. Where is it? I have numbers. It was, I think they have like over 12,000 employees across the U S. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So, so there's, it's a program, you know, so they have like different offices that do different parts of this programming. And they, so, so I wouldn't say like they're not, they don't have something in every city, but I would hope they would have something in every state and I'll look that up and, see if that's the case. And uh, if it's not, I will make a little addendum onto the podcast and talk about that. But, but yeah, they, they are across the country, but they are an advisory body, not a governing body. Um, so like, and, and the only way they would be sort of a, a governing body that would directly regulate uh, like you and I and the sort of average American person would be in the situation of a complete breakdown of law and order. Otherwise, the localities and states do actually have to 
decide that they're going to abide by the regulations. Sorry, not regulations. They just have to decide they're going to abide by the uh, suggested regulations, right? That are put out. Right. But um, so the the problem I'm seeing with it is that it's it's way too political, uh, and a huge part of that is because the president is the one who appoints the director of the CDC. So we can talk a little bit more about the, uh, well, maybe a lot more because I have two and a half pages of notes on him, but um, we can talk about the director of the CDC in a few minutes. Uh, before that though, I do want to just point out like a couple of ways where I looked on their website and I saw, okay, you're not apolitical and it's obvious. Yeah. Um, so here's a couple of reasons. So, so one of them is uh it's actually from so it's from their website and it's a section called deciding how to reopen and it's about coronavirus um it says so school officials should make decisions about reopening based on available data including levels of community transmission and their capacity to implement appropriate mitigation measures in schools to protect students teachers administrators and other staff uh, and then it says schools should also consider other aspects of student risk and well-being that arise when schools do not reopen for in-person class. So basically what they're saying is you should only reopen if you can do it safely. But they're also saying, oh, but you really should reopen. Um, and it's not it's not like a significant it's not a heavy pressure or anything. But then later on in that same page, they say, like, well, the lowest risk is to have everything be remote. So they admit like this is the lowest risk, but they're also sort of pushing or at least saying that schools should reopen. I don't if they can do so safely, but what they can do safely is so it's so subjective to the specific environment because this, not all schools look the same. This would be over. Not all schools look the same, but if one person, if one place mm -hmm. is struggling as a country, we need to shut down. Like if we just shut down for like four weeks where you could only go to like the pharmacy and go get food and just don't go anywhere, we wouldn't have to do this anymore. I don't understand why people can't no. like understand that. And like we, this would be done. We would be done with yeah. it. And, and you have an advisory body like the CDC who, I mean, they're, they're supposed to just care about public health. That's supposed to be their only thing is that they care about public health, but clearly there's been, uh, some sort of politics injected into this because they're not saying just specific facts, you know, because they're, they're very vague on like what the issues are that negatively affect children when they're not in school. And of course we know that there are, we know that as like, a, as a whole, it's best for the, the kid to be able to go to their learning environment and be there, whether or not, like, I mean, if they're homeschooled, that's already their environment. But if they go to a school, that's the environment they're used to. And yes, they're going to learn better in that environment, assuming that it's already a good environment for them. <laughs> but, but that doesn't mean, I, I, I think that like when you, when you talk about like closing down for four weeks, you know, it's something where a lot of people would look at that in bulk, but doing that for four weeks is a lot less stress on a child than having months and months of constantly having to have your temperature taken and wear masks and do X, Y, and Z and all that kind of stuff. So of course, like, like, yeah, everything is going to be an imposition, but we have to understand that like, sometimes the impositions are reasonable, but, but now we're just, now we're just getting into like logic when of course what we aren't talking, what we're talking about is not logic. What we're talking about is politics. We like, <laughs> We've been in an imposition. Everything's been inconvenient since March. Mm -hmm. 
it's almost December. Like it's, it's people, people aren't willing to do the huge inconveniences that will make the most impact. And instead we're doing smaller inconveniences, which have lesser impact, but then we still complain about them. And like I was talking to Chris this morning about how, at least in Pennsylvania, it's the worst it's ever been for COVID, but people are acting like it's over. It's it, the, well, I don't understand why. We obviously can't be trusted to make these decisions as a country. Like we need mom or dad to come in and be <laughs> you like, sound like the founding fathers. You are fucking grounded. Like you're being an idiot and you're going to stay in your room for four weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, so my, I, I, I guess the, the, the solution that I can think of for, for that, for, for the fact that we clearly do like as a whole, we need actual scientists who study this to tell us what we should be doing and we need to be held to that. But I think in, in order for that to happen and for it to be ethical and effective, the CDC would have to be a standalone agency. Like it would have to have power um, versus like what it has today, which is virtually no power, but it would have to be standalone. It would not have to be dictated by the current president. And I would say that like for a liberal president or a conservative president, any president, like, yeah, exactly. Like, like I don't want the president appointing that person because that means that the president is effectively in charge of public health because they can fire or hire this person. And I think that presidents have a lot going on. Um, but most of them do not have a background in medicine or science. Okay. Most of them have a background in law. So we shouldn't let a president pick someone like that. Honestly, I really don't think that. I think that we should let, I, I don't know, like like maybe a board of medical professionals of some sort, something like that. But a I mean, that, that goes far and away learned, beyond. Yeah, a coalition. I just learned about coalitions in class. And we're talking about community organizing and how you need people from like each facet of like Every space of the community needs to be have a representative and having their voice heard because you're not going to solve something by just focusing on like one part of the community. And if we're looking at the country as a whole community right now, like we need people from social services, we need people from education, we need people from the medical field, we need people from like, you know, um, everybody needs to have Mm -hmm. a say in how we do this the best way because there's people who can, can take care of this section people could take care of this section and we're all working together towards a common goal. I can't believe like we're talking about logic when we're talking about the CDC. This is, I'm so hot bad right now. Yeah. I mean like it should, it should be ruled by logic, but it's not because it's political. And that's the, that's the such, it's such a frustrating thing. And we've seen this in this country over the past year, uh, just how much anything can be politicized. Yeah. You know what I thought of too? The degree that people will go to uh to kind of double down on their opinions and to not say I was wrong. There's Sorry, gonna go there's gonna be when there there comes a vaccine for COVID, it's gonna be a lot of overlap between the people who don't wear masks and the people who don't believe in vaccines. Yeah. And then where it's just we're this is where we live now. We're in a dystopia forever. This is how the apocalypse starts. I Man, yeah, I, I don't know why so many people can't just understand that there are. Well, okay, I do know why. There's also just like there's mass media that that puts out so much information that I think it's really hard mm-hmm. for people to find out what's true. Um, right. But yeah, 
anyway, so so let's talk. Uh, let's, let's talk about like another way that I know their their site is very very much political, and the CDC should not necessarily be trusted blindly. Uh, okay. Another way I know that is because I went to their medical marijuana page. <laughs> or sorry, I typed I typed marijuana. It doesn't take you to medical marijuana. Okay, um, it takes you just to their marijuana page because of which you, know, you are they don't, very they don't knowledgeable. It's a medicine. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm very knowledgeable about. <laughs> but what what their page is is marijuana and public health. Um, is what it's called. So it's not even called medical marijuana because no, marijuana couldn't possibly be used as a medicine. And we will definitely do an episode about medical marijuana later on. Um, Basically, the long and short of it is science and responsibly done studies uh, actually do show that marijuana can be very helpful. Um, And there's different components of it that are more helpful. Obviously, CBD is one, but THC is one as well. There's CBN, CBG, there's a bunch of different things. Much terpenes, it's much more complicated than they want to make it look like. Um, But when you go to the CDC website, they only talk about the negatives. But there there was, okay, so there was a governmental study called the Investigational New Drug Program, um, or the IND. And that's, um, that was a study that I believe it continues to this day and it only has a few patients, but um, all those patients were given marijuana by the government (laughs) because the government has its own pot farm, Um, but they were given that. And when they stopped, um, so so the years, and I don't have the years right in front of me, but I've I've done a presentation on this before. Um, the, The time that they stopped the study was after they had approved, there are two different drugs, I think it's dronabinol and marinol, uh, and they're synthetic versions. Um, So effectively what that means is like, okay, so we want it, we believe in the efficacy of this as a medicine, but we want to figure out how to get this into a pharmaceutical form that can be regulated more easily. Um, And because of that, the CDC is unwilling to say that it has any medical benefit because then that underrides that. And there's a lot more that goes on to that as well. But, um, but yeah, so, so um, effectively what I'm saying is like, I am anecdotal evidence that medical marijuana works because my brain actually works better and I'm more productive. It uh, was like your whole life changed because I think you got, I'm going to talk candidly about you here for a second. Mm -hmm. Because you started going to therapy and got on your medication. And then after that, you found medical marijuana. You were able to find better coping mechanisms for all the stuff going on in your brain. And it was like you just became this whole different side of yourself that I hadn't seen in a long time. Or ever, maybe. I don't know, because I've only known you for about five years. I know. Mm -hmm. And you were just so happy. And you were like, I'm doing so many functional things. And like you started, and I can deal with stuff better. Yeah, and you like you we'd be talking, and you were like something that would have been like sent me over the edge, you know, a few months ago. I was just Mm -hmm. I was mad for a little bit, and then was fine. It was like being a normal person, (laughs) and I was like, yeah. Yeah. And a big part of that is well, well, it's a like like Zoloft does really help me a lot with that. But then the the medical marijuana portion of that is like I'm getting enough sleep. You know, like, like I, I have a way where if I'm having like a panic attack or if I'm spiraling into something, mm-hmm. I can, I can make that stop. Um, and it's, and you have to learn how to do it. And it's something where you have to kind of study what the effect is on you personally. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very 
sort of, uh, it's a lot of trial and error to figure that out. But once right. you do figure it out, it can be very helpful. It's not helpful for everyone, just as, you know, any medication <laughs> isn't helpful for for everyone. But I do, I definitely take <laughs> a lot of issue when they say that, you know, there's no, because they do briefly mention it, but oh, what do they say in it? Let me see here. It says... Oh yeah, it just is like it's the most commonly used illegal drug. Da 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 da. And they they talk they tell you they tell you that you'll get addicted, which there's really not evidence to back up. Um, there's they I'm sorry, saying- I was trying to find a place, but they, they do talk about how oh well, states have certified it for medical use, so they kind of brush it off and they don't talk about what they use it for medically. I was I was going to my lecture online. So we have our lecture and then we have our live class. So the lecture is like all the stuff that we're going to talk about. And they were talking to these two people about like what they thought about medical marijuana. And the one guy was like, yeah, it's fine. Like all the stuff that we just talked about. And this girl was like, <laughs> like weed is a gateway drug to heroin, which isn't funny. But just like knowing people from like both sides of that point, <sighs> it's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> like, it just- the thing is like, because the, the, the weed thing. portion of it is if you are trying weed yeah. and then you end up on heroin, it wasn't because of the weed. There was something else going on. There was there was something about addiction in you before you even tried even those things, I think. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. And also, here here's another just uh, just, just logically looking at the risk factors um, legally. Uh, if you... And this is the way I looked at it in college, honestly, is like, so I had a, a roommate in college who was talking about like, you know, getting some Coke because she wanted to do, do some Coke. And to me, that was terrifying. But then she was talking about just like the legal ramifications. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I suppose because uh, marijuana was illegal at that time that I was like, yeah, I suppose if it's illegal to get one thing and it's illegal to get a harder thing that's, you know... I I, it's, I I guess she liked it more or whatever, then like, I guess it's worth it. Um, it, it still terrified me and I was not going to do Coke with her or anything about that. But like, I could see it being a gateway because it's just as risky to go get this thing. That's just, you know, a fun thing to do in the afternoon or it like, you know, helps me sleep or whatever, as it is to get this other thing. That's like a party drug. That's going to yeah. make me be able to, you know, <laughs> you go, know, go, stay go. up all night and have a real fun time. Uh, I will. So I suppose the ease of getting it, I think, is another thing. Whereas if it's hard to get it, you might as well go for the hard stuff because you're putting in as much risk to your personal safety. But- I wish there was more. I love having a drink. I don't really like getting drunk anymore because I'm getting old and I don't recover as fast and I get hungover before I'm even done being drunk. And it's not as fun. <laughs> but I wish there was a little bit more feeling about alcohol that people feel about weed yeah because alcohol is like statistically way more dangerous yeah like it is and and it goes right back to the legal it to 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 the ind program and how they created synthetics and stuff and like that's why it's federally illegal it's not because it's actually bad like marijuana is considered a schedule one drug which it shouldn't be but if everyone (laughs) was the same as heroin it's if considered everyone, the same as heroin in terms of addiction. That's sorry, not true. It's, no, no, it's not true. If everyone was high, the amount that everyone gets drunk, we would be so much happier. Like I don't even use Better. that drug because it doesn't work in my body. But like, there might be a way to make it work, but it might take a lot of trial and error. No, no, no. So After the last time, where I legitimately flipped out from weed, you I was like, okay, so. gravity. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just discovered gravity. <laughs> to hear Griffin talk uh, about it, I said that my head felt like a bowling bar ball that was like the eye of Sauron. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know either. Wait, but why did I discover gravity? For some people, no, I don't. You just were like, "There's gravity up here." Oh, there's we're on gravity the second on the floor. Second floor. Like, like it started, <laughs> and the problem was that you were stoned too, so you couldn't help me. <laughs> so we were just like laughing really I hard, but I was really scared, and you were just laughing at me, and I was like, "This is terrifying." <laughs> it's so funny, I couldn't help it. Well, yeah, I felt really bad about that because I was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have like let you walk around like you were doing because you're just like getting yourself more amped up." I was like, "I should have made her lay down on a couch." Put a weighted blanket on top of her, turn the lights down low, and we'll watch something like comforting on TV. You know, we'll watch some Gilmore Girls or whatever. I well, but. I got home and I would cry every time I would try to go to sleep. And I told Griffin that the bed was getting longer because I couldn't scooch up because I wasn't moving. So I just thought like the bed kept getting longer. I was like, this is so scary. So anyway, uh, weed's not for everybody, but that doesn't make it dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's the same thing about how alcohol is not for everyone. Some people can have a drink or two and it's fine. Some people can't. Like that's I was, it's just different. I was high although, for like although we generally days. is not addictive in the same way. That's I was lot. high for like three days. Whenever Trixie Mattel <laughs> talks about being on drugs and how she was high for three days and then went to the guy in the store and was like, You can't do this to people. That's me. That's what I'm like. I yeah. I'm just gonna stick to my Moscato and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's completely reasonable. And I think that really anyone who pressures people either way is trash. So don't trash, don't, don't, don't trash. Sorry. Uh, d- don't pressure people to drink. Don't pressure people to smoke weed or do drugs. Just, just allow everyone to live, make their man. own choices. Yeah. Just let people, people do what they're going to do. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we, we took a real digression there. We did. But that's, that's okay. So we can talk more about the, the CDC though. Um, so the, the last thing I want to talk about the CDC um or regarding the CDC is their director. Cause he is, Oh my God. Uh, I hope can see my body language right now as I just got really annoyed because we're talking about Robert You're Redfield. getting ready to get hot mad. <laughs> I am. I'm get, I took off my sweater. I'm sweating already. Cause I just, I was so now sweating about this guy. Cause okay. I, so I didn't realize before this, that the, and, and this is honestly, it's my own, um, it's me being uninformed about the system. And so I, it's something that I feel like I should have known, but I guess there's no way I would have known it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, the CDC director is appointed by the president. So looking at the situation we have now, uh, the CDC director that we currently have was put there by Trump. The fact that he was put there by Trump does not make him a bad person. I do want to say that. Okay, like, yes, I am very progressive. Um, I'm thinking I might end up aligning with democratic socialism uh, <laughs> when I look at it, things where I'm very progressive. Um, I definitely am the kind of person who would just hate Trump because, but I'm trying very hard not to because I don't think that's a good way to engage with people. I think that we should make sure and, and look at both sides of situations. But Anyway, so now um, let's look at Robert Redfield as a professional in the medical research uh, arena. So uh, this is an article from The Atlantic that I'm just going to quote here. It says, uh, Redfield oversaw a clinical trial of an experimental HIV vaccine at Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. He was accused of manipulating uh, data from the trial 
sloppy or possibly deceptive data analysis. Um, or sorry, and uh, sloppy and possibly deceptive data analysis. Um, it does seem... Oh, so, so CNN Politics says about this, he oversold data and cherry-picked results. Uh, effectively, it looks like he was trying to say, like, oh, it looks like we're going to have an, uh, an AIDS vaccine, when in reality, it, that it didn't work. Um, so he he oversold data and tried basically tried to make it look like uh, they'd made greater strides than they had. Um, and I think he was trying to make himself look good but also like that's super immoral and it's <laughs> not a good thing to be doing. Uh, so after um, this is uh, again, quoting the Atlantic article after an investigation, the military cleared Redfield of mis misconduct charges, but the army never provided an explanation of how it reached its conclusions. So basically they're like, no, he's fine. But then it didn't say why. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering if that was kind of just because he was working for the army and they wanted to say our guy didn't do anything wrong. That's kind of what that looks like to me. But I don't have evidence that that is true. So basically, they, they said they didn't find anything that they didn't say or, or they, they, they said that they found that he was cleared of misconduct, but they didn't say why. They didn't really refute the charges. Uh, and then... Let me see. Despite clearing him, he was also chastised for having a close relationship to a nonprofit called Americans for Sound AIDS HIV Policy, otherwise known as ASAP, uh, to a degree that is, quote, inappropriate. Uh, now known as Children's AIDS Fund, uh, it is uh, this place was founded by evangelical Christians and it's championed abstinence only education as a method of combating HIV and other approaches that are grounded more in a religious belief than in scientific evidence. No. Um, so I went to their website. No. Uh, and I will post their website on our, on ours. I'll post a link because there is very little information on their website. It's really weird. Like I went to education and there's like one thumbnail and I clicked on it and it just goes to a picture. I want to be surprised. There's no words. Nothing's happening. It's it's there, there's they're, they're not even like if you go to their homepage it looks like they're a wealth of information because there's all these topics mm -hmm. but when you click on the topics and you actually go to find the information there's nothing there and even when there is something there it is very vague and they don't give any specifics so they don't specifically give any statistics as to like how many people they've helped what they've helped them with, et cetera, that kind of stuff. So that really worries me because whenever there's not specific evidence as to like what their claims of good work are, it usually means that there's not as much good work in there as they're claiming. Right. So, so there's that. <laughs> um, and that, so that, so that's an organization that the current director of the CDC has apparently a, a, an inappropriately close relationship with, right. uh, which probably means that some of his decisions are informed by religion and religious organizations. Um, again, religion isn't bad, but sometimes it can get in the way of science and that should not happen. Um, especially not the CDC. Uh, so the other thing I have here is that Redfield also supported in an unprecedentedly, or sorry, he supported an unprecedentedly large program of mandatory HIV screening for military, which honestly, like that on its face, I don't know how bad that is. What year? Well, what year was that? Because if it was around the same it time, it was in as the eighties. Don't ask, don't tell. Then like. 
there you go. So, so, see that that's why I'm, I'm taking it line by line. Yeah, because like that that initial line of like HIV screening for the military that doesn't in itself sound like a bad idea because when you put they, it. Well, because, and I'm just going to say why, but but it does go on to talk more about the problematic areas. But like, to me, I'm like, at first, that doesn't sound really that bad because it's like, okay, this is a fatal illness um, that like, when, once you get it, we, we don't really have, we don't have a vaccine for it. We don't really have a cure for it. We only have like mitigating palliative care kind of things. So it does seem like, okay, well, if they're in the military, that is a place where people, you know, get, uh, they get, they get injured and they get uh, a lot of medical care that's not necessarily in the safest of environments, et cetera. So I kind of could see bloodborne pathogens becoming an issue there. Um, so, 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 th so I do see an issue there, but as you say, this was still during don't ask, don't tell, um, which is effectively, I think it was, I think it was supposed to protect people in essence, but it didn't really. Um, but the, the effects of this, uh, mandatory testing meant that after testing positive, many recruits were banned from service. Um, so basically there's that you can't be in the military because you have HIV. Um, I don't think that that's fair. I think there are definitely places in the military where people with HIV could work that would not affect anyone. Um, and also at the time he was doing this, I believe this was 1985, and they knew how it was passed, I think as early as 83. I want to say so, so like they did know that you can't cough on someone to give them AIDS. So the fact that they knew that and they still said, oh, no, you can't be in the military is that's just discrimination. Um, and it's also like, and, and I really want to point out and drive home the fact that when AIDS and HIV first came out, it came about, um, they were linked to primarily gay men. So, and, and like, that's hope of what you were pointing out is, you know, so if this is don't ask, don't tell basically, and, and you're also in a time period where a lot of gay men were infected with HIV and AIDS. I mean, it just it spirals so far down into discrimination. Um, so also several active soldiers were segregated, which is in breach of patient confidentiality. So basically they're saying you don't get to have any confidentiality about the fact that you have this illness, which is heavily stigmatized uh, because it's hit so many people. Uh, so, so many members of the gay community. Um, so people are automatically going to assume that like you're gay, uh, you're disgusting. And like you got yeah. this illness because you were, engaging in acts that that people have condemned despite the fact that it doesn't matter and it's your own sex right. life. I feel yeah. like don't ask, don't tell yeah. stagnated progress. So it didn't take it backwards. Yeah. It didn't take it forward either. Just I kind mean, of kept I mean, it like at a stalemate. I, we probably should do a whole show on that. But I mean, like mm -hmm. the, the feeling I get from is from it is it did kind of allow people to like you you can't ask me so you can't f like fire me you can't demote me specifically because i have said that but then yeah. it also means that gay people well they're not not discriminated against they're just not allowed to be asked that question yeah and they're not allowed to make it an issue but then that means you also can't live your life because you can't have a picture of like your partner mm -hmm. up on the wall by your bed because you know, then people are going to know. So, so really, re really, the the biggest issue for the the biggest two issues here is at the time when this happened, this mandatory screening and barring uh, people from the military and segregating people is that like it's 
it's a confidentiality breach for one thing. So that's like all the, the medical regulations that are put there to give you privacy. It's breaking that. Uh, and then also, I mean, it's such a stigmatized disease, unfortunately, yeah. even though it shouldn't be. And then, yeah. And barring people from service, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's saying like you have, I mean, like you wouldn't do that if someone had syphilis, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's similar to that. I do suppose. you want, do you want to hear something that might make you feel a little better? Mm-hmm. A little. So Absolutely. when we were, when we were on lady Washington and we were in San Francisco, Griffin and I, that's where we ended our contract. So we stayed behind for like a week and we just had vacation in San Fran. And I really wanted to go check out this Episcopal cathedral that they had. And it was called the grace cathedral. And I, identify as straight and it was an experience for me to be in there because it's just like the gayest church you've ever been to but it's like still a cathedral and they were talking they have a whole wing it's like the aids wing or something like that and it talks about like all the stuff that they did during the 80s during the pandemic and stuff and they were like we performed funeral rites here for people who didn't like have families and we performed weddings for people who wanted to get married and they just basically took care of the gay people in San Francisco. And like I said, I was, I was, yeah, I know. I was like, I could not stop crying. And I was like, and I, I'm, I'm straight, but like, I, I think everybody, you know, I want the gays to live and stuff. And so just like, if anybody is interested in the revolutionary stance, like that, I want everyone to live their lives. It's a really beautiful church, which is why I wanted to go to it. But like, just, going inside it is just like rainbows everywhere and it was so nice that's the worst word i could possibly use but it's just really nice to see that somebody somewhere was trying to do right by people who were being stigmatized like this i'm getting choked up talking about it (laughs) it was just so if you if anyone is in the san francisco area maybe not right now but eventually go see the grace cathedral because it is really moving it's an experience and hey, if anyone out there, um, this is, uh, it's on the same topic, but um, but it's away from Grace Cathedral. But uh, if anyone out there doesn't, or doesn't know or isn't clear on how sexually transmitted d- diseases are spread, uh, definitely do that research because you can't get HIV from very, like, casual contact, like from being in the same room with someone. And that's yeah. very, I, I really, unfortunately, I don't. It's I don't necessarily like, believe that, that everyone knows that. It's also. not like, like the cold. It, it's not like COVID. Yeah. yeah if it's it were not like, like COVID, we, we'd all have it. Like, Yeah. And I, th- I think people get really freaked out about HIV and AIDS in a way that they really don't need to because we know enough about it that you can keep yourself safe. Well, Princess Diana was one of the first people, I think after she got divorced from Charles and all that, when she was, was like... Full circle. We were talking about the crown at the beginning. Yeah. Well, she was like... I think it was after she was like shunned or I don't know her history very well, but like she was a single lady and she was one of the first people to like go in and like touch people who had HIV and AIDS, like give them a hug and all this stuff. She was like, they need it more than anybody right now. Of course it's okay to touch them. Like quit acting like they are zombies or whatever. What a queen. We should do an episode about her. That's so awesome. Anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of different episodes we could do. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, oh, that's fantastic. All right. Where are we with the, all the other stuff? 
That's so that that was where I was kind of wrapped up on my info. Um, so takeaways really are that the CDC. Oh, this is this is that statistic I was looking for. Um, the CDC employs more than twelve thousand employees and close to one hundred and fifty types of occupations. So it's it's widespread. I mean, there's a lot of people yeah. who work for the organization across the country. Um, my so my main takeaway that I have written down here is consider the source of any info you get and and consider who they answer to. Um, We all want to believe that government agencies have the information um, and more often than not, they are presented in a way that make it look like they have lots and lots of information and they're putting all that information out there. That's not necessarily true. And sometimes a lot of times that is affected by politics and whoever is in power at the time. Um, So it's definitely it's definitely worthwhile to kind of like look at trends about what is the general attitude towards public health concerns based on who was in office at the time, because you see things change and yeah. And it really, everything is politicized is is the main takeaway. Everything's politicized, even the things that shouldn't. And I think that um, as the years go by, we should really try to think of a way to make the CDC be its own entity that is separate and advisory and maybe think about giving them more power, but think about in a, doing that in a way that will be beneficial to the most people, not the rich people, which is usually how things happen. So, right. so it's something we can all think about and yeah. And I might look into whether or not there's any legislation to try to change that. Cause I don't think there is anything that's been proposed, but right. maybe yeah, so that's kind of where where we wrap up. Uh, the CDC to me was an episode I really wanted to do because of the pandemic and because I think that I wanted to learn more about it and I wanted everyone else to learn more about it. And uh, it was pretty depressing, to be honest, <laughs> to learn like how cavalier some of the initial uh, some of the initial actions of the CDC were, like spraying DEET or sorry, not D, this was spraying DDT into people's homes and trying to get it to stick to walls and furniture, all that stuff. It does look like it's gotten a lot better. You know, people research things a lot more and do a lot more uh, tests before we get things. But but please do maybe, so so think about that, the, the DDT and all the things that were done with that before it was known about all the bad effects it has and then kind of apply that to our thoughts on vaccines now, because everyone wants a COVID vaccine. I want a COVID vaccine. Trump wants a COVID vaccine. Everybody wants it at all ends of the spectrum. Everyone wants a COVID vaccine, except, well, except for the anti-vaxxers. Yeah. But in general, most people do. And I think a lot of people are getting upset about the fact that we don't have one yet, but really the timeframe for this stuff, it's, it's a long time. So Yeah. So so I guess sort of when you're thinking about anything to do with science, understand that a lot of the stuff you've seen is politicized. Again, try to do your own research. Think about where the information is coming from. And if people, if certain people aren't saying certain things, think about why that might be and what might happen if they say them. Right. I guess it's it's all, it's all weird and shady and it shouldn't be. So I apologize. (laughs) I did not think I was going to get this hot mad talking about the CDC, but here we are. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not pleased about it. I'm the the more I look into things, I'm like just everything has to be changed. 
top down our whole country. Trickle up. We got to trickle up with it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, so there's there was, let me see here. I wanted to plug. Okay. Uh, so we talked about the Children's AIDS Fund. Um, and I understand there are a lot of AIDS charities and HIV charities out there. And people tend to think like, oh, they're kind of all equal. But uh, so the Children's AIDS Fund, I would not recommend donating to. But there's a list of charities uh, that are a little bit more transparent, a little bit more, I would say, ethical. Um, Savory. Yeah, I have a list from verywellhealth.com that I will post on the website. So if you're interested in, if you've thought thought about this and you're listening to it and you want to donate to HIV research, I will put up something about that. I will also try to find some places where you can donate to coronavirus research if you want to um because people might think about that um so i'll put that stuff up next couple days on our website vagueknowledgeofeverything.com and yeah i think that about wraps it up there was nothing huge that i wanted to yeah there weren't any organizations i really wanted to talk about specifically i want to give another shout out to grace cathedral and everybody should check it out and that's that's my plug. And Dicks yeah. for Good is coming out with and Christmas Dicks orders good. soon. Uh, yeah. So yeah, as usual, we'll shout out to Dicks for Good. Uh, they're coming out with Christmas ornaments soon. And uh, and I apologize to anyone who actually was looking forward to the nonprofit episode that I said we were going to have this week because uh, I kind of didn't get my stuff together to uh, communicate with our guest until it was a little bit too late. So uh, the nonprofits will be coming up in two weeks. But next week we have uh, the topic addiction. Um, yeah, which kind of nicely with how much we're talking about weed just now. But uh, yeah, we have the topic of addiction coming up, and we have a special guest for that. And I also put up on our Instagram a picture of the calendar that we have, sort of for the next what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight weeks. Oh wow! Wow! It seems like I, I I felt like I didn't have that much planned, but yeah, it's for the next eight weeks. And then I have a very long list of topics that have not been scheduled yet. So, go, by all means, please go onto our Instagram. Um, our account is vkoe underscore podcast <laughs> and I, it's not the email is vkoepod at gmail.com i'm trying to like make sure i get those mm-hmm. right every time but yeah go to our instagram at vkoe underscore podcast and uh check out that picture um i perched the the whiteboard in my christmas tree so that you guys could all have something nice to look at uh, you know but it has all of this the the topics that we we're looking to schedule and we're also requesting any ideas you have for topics you want to listen to but please take a look at that let us know what you want to hear next and we will make sure and put that on sooner than later you know what we could do is we could post one of those poll things where you pick one or the other and we just have like a bunch of them together and people vote on which ones they would want to see oh yeah we could and that could just like determine the order in which we do things not necessarily like which ones we yeah yeah because yeah we definitely couldn't do something that's like what do you want to hear about next week because i always plan a little bit further ahead but yeah but yeah, you, you pick a few topics, be like, would you rather hear about this or that? And then another one was like, yeah. this or that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, are, are we into, let me see here, the U.S. prison system or college admissions? What are your interests? <laughs> well, I want to hear about both of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, th- I was like, all the things on the list I want to hear about. I Yeah, there's a whole, oh, medical bias is one that I really want to put on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can talk about the 
very long letter that I'm drafting to my former primary care physician because she discriminates against people who are mentally unwell. We should we should wrap this episode up and then we can talk about yeah, other should. episodes. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff we want to talk about. Let us know which ones you want to particularly hear. Uh, and think that wraps it up for us. So right. I'm Rosie. Facts matter. I'm hope and know that now that you know better, be better. Be better.